lads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. What champion shall defend thee? My deliverer, my knight. What magic brought thee here, sir stranger? I know not. False and unfounded is thy black charge, and that will I prove by heaven's ordeal. Tis a miracle, a miracle of heaven. Greetings, junior scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word, and your guide through the junior classics. Our mission is to safeguard the classics and inspire children to a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in literature and history. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us, and a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode, and especially my Patreon supporters who help keep the show going and growing. If you like what we are doing, creating stories for the good of your kids, consider supporting me on Patreon for five bucks a month. Today, we continue the story of Lohengrin with part three, Lohengrin the Champion. But before we get to the story, Lost and Found Words! Listen carefully to these words and their meanings and try and spot them during the story. Our first word today is retinue with an R, retinue. This is a group of advisors, assistants, or others accompanying an important person. You could also say entourage, court, or staff. Our next word today is mean with an M, M I E N, mean. This is a person's look or manner, especially one of a particular kind indicating their character or mood. You could also say appearance, look, or expression. That's all for today's Lost and Found Words. Now on to the show. Lohengrin the Champion In the city of Antwerp, great preparations were going forward. King Henry of Germany had arrived in state and had summoned all the ministers and chief nobles of Brabant to appear before him. Elsa, in her prison cell, was wakened early with the news that she would be tried this day before the king in face of all the people. She heard as though it scarce concerned her. Since the vision of the knight in shining armor, she no longer seemed to dwell in the dark prison. Her thoughts were far away, and she cared nothing for what took place around her. It was noon when the king, with his heralds, outriders, and numerous retinue, proceeded in solemn state to the judgment oak. Mid the cheers and blessings of the people, he ascended a gorgeous throne prepared for him. Count Tellermund bowed low before the king. Then in a clear ringing voice told his story and made his accusation against Elsa, princess of Brabant, of whose horrible crime he said he had, alas, convincing proof. He then claimed the kingdom of Brabant for himself as next of kin to the late duke, 
and also in right of his noble wife, Otruda, whose fathers once ruled in that land. Now, O most noble king, thou hast heard me fully. Not have I spoken, but the truth, my oath upon it. Be thou our judge. The crowd shuddered with horror at the story of Elsa's crime. Their own princess? So gentle and fair? The cruel murderess of her brother? Impossible. Yet, who dare dispute it, since Count Tellermund, whose honor no man could doubt, himself swore to that fact? The king replied, What terrible accusation dost thou bring? Bid the accused appear. With the king's order, the trials began. The herald blew his trumpet and proclaimed the king's order. There was a stir in the crowd. All eyes turned toward her as Elsa appeared, followed by her ladies. Slowly, she walked to the foot of the throne, gazing before her like one in a dream. Art thou Elsa of Brabant? Elsa bowed her head. Dost thou know the charge that is brought against thee? Again Elsa assented, dropping her head sadly, but without speaking. What answer canst thou make? Dost admit thy guilt? She gazed around her with a bewildered air, as though trying to remember something long forgotten. Alas, my poor brother. The people murmured, "'Tis marvelous. What can it mean?' "'Speak, Elsa,' urged the king, wondering at her strange behavior. "'Dost thou not trust in thy king?' Then Elsa spoke in a low, gentle voice, as to herself when alone in the prison. "'In my misery I knelt one night and besought God's aid. My woeful cry seemed all at once caught up to the highest heaven.' wondering. Then peace fell on my spirit, and a gentle sleep came over me. The king thought Elsa's mind was certainly affected, whether from brooding on her crime or on her innocence and the injustice of her imprisonment. He could not tell. Come, Elsa, defend thyself now before the judge. But Elsa appeared neither to hear nor understand and continued her dream with a look of rapture. Born through the air he came, a knight of such perfection and nobility never yet I saw. Clothed in glittering armor, in his hand a sword, slung round his neck a golden horn. No word he spake, but on me tenderly, peace and comfort came to me with his look. That knight will be my champion and deliverer. The king was sorely perplexed. This dreamy maiden hardly seemed like a criminal. Looking at the sad, fair face of the prisoner, he could not find it in his heart to believe her guilty. Yet, he held the Count as a true and honorable knight, incapable of falsehood, one who had, besides, risked his life for king and country. Turning to the Count, he then asked solemnly, Frederick of Telramund, Wilt thou in mortal combat let heaven's ordeal decide thine accusation is true or false? Yea, that I will, O king, answered Telermund with proud confidence. 
And thee also I ask, Elsa of Brabant, wilt thou abide by heaven's decree in the mortal combat that shall be fought for thy cause? Elsa's eyes were fixed on the far distance. Yea, that will I. What champion shall defend thee? That knight whom heaven sent me, he and none other shall be my champion, and this is the reward I offer. He shall wear my father's crown, and high honor shall I deem it to give him my land, my wealth, and my hand. Ah, oh, a prize worth fighting for, murmured the people. Their hearts beat true to their princess in spite of appearances against her. Let the summons go forth, cried the king. The heralds and trumpeters then marched to the outposts and proclaimed the challenge, so that all might hear it far and near. Let him who will fight in mortal combat for Elsa of Barbrandt now appear. There was a long pause, and breathless silence followed. The echo of the trumpet's blast died away into the distance, but no one appeared in answer to the call. Elsa listened, looking round on all sides with anxious, expectant gaze. O oh, gracious king, I beseech thee, let the call go forth once again to summon my knight. He dwells so far he has not heard. Let the summons go forth yet once more, he ordered. Again the heralds proclaimed the challenge. There followed a longer pause and a longer silence. No one stirred. The people scarcely seemed to breathe, so great was the suspense and expectation. Elsa fell on her knees, while her maidens closed round as though to protect her. O oh Lord, send my knights speedily, I beseech thee. Once at thy command he came to me. Oh, send him now again, tell him of my sore need. She implored in despair. Her women knelt also, weeping and praying. Suddenly, a cry went up from the people standing near the riverbank. See, a wondrous sight, a swan, a swan drawing a boat and standing in the prow. Behold, a knight in shining armor. Lo, he comes with utmost speed. All rushed forward eagerly to see. The king from his throne looked towards the river and beheld the amazing sight. Elsa, on her knees, listened spellbound in a transport of joy. Frederick of Tellermund, struck dumb with awe and astonishment, looked at Otruda. Her face had turned to an ashen hue. Her glittering eyes were dull, as though the light within had suddenly gone out. She gazed at the swan with greater terror than had he been a dragon. "'Tis a miracle! A miracle of heaven!" exclaimed the men. The women, on their knees, cried joyfully. "'Oh, God be thanked! Who has heard our prayer? Hail to the heaven-said one who comes to save the guiltless!' The boat had now reached the bank. Lohengrin stepped lightly to land, and then turned lovingly to the swan. My thanks to thee, beloved swan. Return now o'er the waters to the blessed land from whence we came. 
Faithfully hast thou fulfilled thy task. Farewell, beloved swan. He gazed sadly after his faithful companion as the swan slowly turned and swam away. The crowd made way for him eagerly as Lohengrin advanced to the king's throne and bowed low. As he raised his head, Elsa turned and uttered a cry of joy at beholding none other than the knight of her vision. Hail, Royal Henry! May the blessing of heaven ever rest on thee. The king welcomed Lohengrin warmly. Surely, by a miracle of thine, thou art come to this land. I have been sent, O king, to fight for the honor of an innocent maiden, in sore need and distress. Then, going before Elsa, he asked her, Wilt thou trust thy cause to me, O Elsa of Brabant? Wilt thou take me for thy champion without doubt or fear? Elsa raised her eyes to his. My deliverer, my knight, with my whole heart do I trust thee. Lohengrin knelt, and taking her hand in his, asked, And if, with heaven's help, I win this fight for thee, wilt thou consent to be my bride? I am thine, thine only, my knight. All I have I give thee gladly. One promise wilt thou give me. To thee will I promise. Then if thou desirest, as I, that nothing part us ever, that thy people and thy country become from henceforth my people and my country, never shalt thou ask of me my name and race, or whence I come. Never will I seek to know thy secret. Thy love is enough for me. Naught else do I desire. But Elsa, think well what it is I ask. Never must thou desire this knowledge, and never must the secret between us cause thee sadness. Elsa was troubled that Lohengrin repeated his request. There was nothing in the world she would not gladly grant to him, her champion, her deliverer. Thou hast never doubted my innocence. Dost thou not trust in me? Shall not I also trust in thee, my knight, whatever thou askest of me? Then Lohengrin stood forth, and in a ringing voice that all might hear, proclaimed, Hear now, all ye people, and ye nobles of Brabant, I hereby declare, before heaven and before all men, by my honor as a knight, that free from every shadow of guilt is the maiden Elsa, princess of Brabant. False and unfounded is thy black charge, Frederick of Telramund, and that will I prove by heaven's ordeal. Telramund advanced with angry mien and flashing eyes. What magic brought thee here, sir stranger, I know not. Thy talk is bold enough, but my answer is not in words. This, my good sword, shall defend mine honor. May victory be to right and truth, say I. Lohengrin turned towards the throne. We await thy command, O king, to commence the combat. The king ordered the fighting ring to be measured, and this being done, he then besought heaven that in this fight victory might be not as in other fights to skill and strength, but to the one on whose side was right. 
and all the people fervently echoed the king's good prayer. Scarce a breath could be heard. Every eye was fixed on the gleaming swords as they cut the air like flashes of lightning and clashed with sharp, ringing strokes. A few intense moments, which seemed to Elsa's beating heart a very eternity. Then a crash of falling armor, a wild shout from the people, and the fight was over. Telramund had fallen. Over him, like an angel of judgment, stood Lohengrin. Through heaven's victory thy life is mine. I give it thee again, that thou mayest use it for repentance. Victory! Victory! Hail to the hero! shouted a thousand glad voices. The victory I owe to thy innocence alone, said Lohengrin to Elsa. All that thou hast suffered shall now be atoned to thee. Then Lohengrin and Elsa were lifted on the shields of the nobles, and all the people marched around them in a triumphal procession, shouting a hymn of joyful thanksgiving, in which the good King Henry himself joined lustily. Only Ortruda and the defeated Telramund stood sullenly apart. Woe is me! Mine honor and fame are undone. It would seem, indeed, that heaven is against me. Otruda, with clenched hands, asked herself in dismay, Who can this be? Before whom even I feel my powers weaken? Who and from whence? To be continued. Tune in next time on the Junior Classics for Part 4, Otruda Plots for Revenge. Until then, I am Sir Bradley Hassey. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the Junior And now a piece from our friends at World and Fantasy Music titled Medieval Waltz.